Welcome to the Consumed Church Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message, The Gift of Yes, by Paula Guzman. For any further information about this message or the ministries of Consumed Church, you can check us out at theconsumedchurch.com. Hello. Um, okay, my name is Paula Guzman, and I just realized this is actually kind of a lot of you guys' first time introduction of me. Um, so, as I was, as when I was asked to preach on Sunday, the last time I had preached was about 20, 22 years ago on the side of a mountain in Sri Lanka. So, have some grace. <laughs> And so obviously, you know, then there's the pressure of like, what am I going to talk about? This is my first time, you know, all this stuff. And then the Lord instantly just said, all you can do is give them what you've been given. So that's kind of my prayer here of the things that I've been building for the last 24 years as a believer. I want to impart that for with you guys. And as a body, as we impart things to one another, we help each other carry along uh, each other in this journey to become more Christ-like, not only individually, but corporately. All right, well, there's that. (laughs) This was my worst fear, but okay, let's go for it. All right, so today I want to talk about the gift of saying yes to Jesus. We usually use this word, obedience, and it also connotates a heavy tone, like, oh my goodness, I don't want to obey. You know, how many times have we, you know, obedience sounds like such a negative word. But as I was kind of just meditating on just my life, I've just always said yes to him, and I didn't know why. (laughs) And the yes in this journey of mine has led to some of the greatest gifts in my entire life. And while it's been the hardest thing I've ever done, it's cost me a great deal. I've never regretted it. Saying yes, it's a gift, something I didn't conjure up on my own. It's something that I I have taken for granted, but it's molded me into the person that I am today. So depending on the day, sorry or you're welcome. So... (laughs) So I'm always growing and learning. And I think, you know, before we say yes to someone, we always have to know who they are, right? And so um, we want to see, we want to ask, who is Jesus? You know, who is Jesus to us? And we have all the scriptures. We'll know who he is. You know, everyone talks about him. There's books, there's movies, there's everything. But eventually, if we're going to say yes to him, we have to meet him personally. And the first time I ever met him was 24 years ago in an apartment in Waco. I had, I had been uh, pursued by a girl who I have nothing in common with. When you talk about someone that I have zero in common with, this girl said she saw the light on me and she said the Lord told her to go share the gospel. And for the next eight months, I made her life a living hell. I ignored her, I brushed her off, I stood her up, I did all the things until finally some couple of my life decisions put me in a deep place of sorrow and a deep dark pit. And then after eight months, 
I was alone in my apartment, and I just remember after crying and being devastated, I just looked up, and I was like, God, are you real? And somehow, someone just came in the spirit and gave me a deep embrace and just said, everything's going to be okay. And so that was the day that I did a 180. I didn't just gradually go because I just don't do that. I just go all in. So I just went 180. And I knew that person that embraced me. I knew the person that said, it's going to be okay. I knew. Somehow I knew. I didn't know intellectually or scripturally. I just knew I could say yes to him. So I just want you guys to come and just remember of an encounter that you've had with him. Where were you? What were the circumstances? What did he say to you? How were you feeling before you interacted with him? What were you feeling when you interacted with him? we call ourselves followers of Christ, each of us should have a story of an encounter with him that has left us transformed. And because he is a good and generous God, he will continue to have encounters with us as long as we keep coming back to him. So today I want to start the conversation by asking these three questions. Who is Jesus? What is he asking of us? And what will it take to say yes to him? So I want to start off with Hebrews 1.3. I literally was just looking over different scriptures of like, who is Jesus? Who is he in scriptures? And this one popped out at me. <clears throat> so Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of glory. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I want to repeat that again. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The Greek word for radiance is, I'm going to try and not butcher this, apagausma, which means a reflected brightness. So picture holding a flashlight into a mirror and just see the intensity and the brightness. You're kind of blinded, you're kind of overtaken, but his, his presence is just so heavy and intense. <clears throat> you can't help but just kind of back away because of the intensity of it. It is glory, doxa, meaning the most glorious condition the most glorious condition of this reflection that you see. And the Greek word for imprint is the character, which is defined as an instrument used for engraving or carving, which can also mean something that's burned, seared on. This verse is talking about that Jesus is ultimately the perfect image of God that shines brightly so that when we look at Jesus, His reflection is a perfect and brilliant picture of who God is. He's that perfect image. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Uphold is, it means carry, to bear patiently, to sustain it into, uh, with being held. Power is dynamous. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. By virtue of his nature of Jesus. He is upholding everything in the universe. 
That's how powerful Jesus is. Everything in this universe, by his sheer character, is being held up. So that's who we get to say yes to. John 1 1, if we need more scripture to see. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the beginning, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So he not only sustains everything here in the universe, everything was made through him. Every circumstance, every person, every idea, every principality, every, everything was made through him. That's who we get to say yes to. The amazing thing is that he invites us to walk into this authority with him. And because he's so good, he modeled it to us from his disciples. So we get to, not only do we, who is he who he is, in his loving kindness towards us, he provided an avenue for us to model because we need it. <laughs> he modeled to the disciples how to do this. His identity was defined by his relationship with his heavenly father. Everything was done through the father. Everything was done through the father. In Matthew 3.17, God calls out his pleasure over his son when he gets baptized. In John 14.11, he talks about his oneness with God. It says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account on the works themselves. And I love that 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet, Jesus had the foresight to pray for us. And this is what he prayed. Father, I desire that they also, whom they, you have given me, may be with me where I am to see the glory, my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. But do we believe that we have access to this very same love? Do we believe it? Do we believe that we have this oneness, this invitation of being with the Father? as one and walking here on earth. And for simplicity's sake, I want to use 1 Corinthians 13 to define what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at the wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So let's just sit on this verse right now for us as a corporate body. Let's close our eyes. And we are all our own worst critics. So I'm going to read this verse. And as your eyes are closed, I want you to imagine Jesus telling you these things towards you. 
Jesus is saying, he is patient and kind towards you. Jesus does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant. He is not rude to you. He does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable towards you. Jesus is not resentful of you. Jesus does not rejoice in wrongdoing against you. Jesus rejoices in the truth over you. Jesus bears all things for you. Jesus believes all things about you. Jesus hopes all things for you. Jesus endures all things for you. This deep love is the place where he wants to say yes from. I know many of us in our journey in faith, it takes a while to receive this love. And so we're working, 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 trying to get approval or trying to become significant. We're trying to achieve. But it's in this place right here of receiving this love and acceptance and knowing that he is for you and not against you and carries you and he is faithful. This is the place where he wants you to come to and you can say yes. And just as a reminder, I did a tiny teaching a couple months ago about this, about how the, in the world's eyes, we're all trying to achieve acceptance by trying to achieve things so that we can feel significant, so we can finally be accepted. But here in the kingdom, we are accepted first because we are significant and we can achieve anything, he says. We are accepted first because we are significant and we can achieve anything that he has asked us to walk. That's the order of the kingdom here. This is the place where you're going to say yes. So what is he asking us to do? We're going to start off with Matthew 22, 37, 39. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We go back and forth. There's tons of books and all the things, but everything always goes, boils down to these two and then a third that I'll share in a minute. So he's asking us to love him with everything that we have. And sometimes that means that we have to disassemble the things that we think we know and embrace the what he says about us. There's a lot of things that prevent us from receiving this love. Lies, experience, betrayal, the world, people. So we have to undo a lot of that, and we have to go back to what his word says. We have to get rid of some thoughts and beliefs that don't align with him. And part of my story is battling 
decades of self-hatred. I already have a generational um, twist into it, being Native American. <clears throat> There's a lot of self-hatred on indigenous people. And so we're taught to think that, you know, we're, not, we're lowly, we're not intelligent, we are made fun of, we are not treated well. So I'm already being raised in a world or was born into a world that does not value me. So then take that next step in my own personal life, this self-hatred of hating myself, hating what I looked like, hating how I was, hating my personality, hating everything that I was. You think that prevented me from receiving his love? You think that prevented me from saying yes? But we do the work because we go back to that moment of transformation. I go back to that hug. I go back to that place where he said everything was going to be okay. I go back to his scripture where he talks about who my value, what my value and my worth is. And he disassembles these strongholds. And we can't do it ourselves. For me personally, it took a lot of therapy, <laughs> a lot of inner healing, a lot of freedom sessions. And the beautiful part is God supplies these things for us. And then in this body, we're, I'm, we're privileged to have Donna Miller and Linda Osborne here walking us out through any lies that will prevent us from saying yes. He is so practical. Here's the thing. There's a holiness and there's a practical because he is so good to us. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. <clears throat> so this battle of self-hatred was consuming to the point that I did not value my life and I took actions against my life many times. But I, the Lord provided the church body to help and sustain me to be Jesus to them for me in those times. And I just want to invite you guys as you guys go through and you sift through these ways of what's blocking you from receiving his love fully to embrace the people around you in your community. Because these things, as you start, can you imagine me trying to love God as I completely hate myself, and then I actually then come to find out I hate him for making me the way I was? That's not helpful. <laughs> That's going to be a block from my relationship with him and connecting with him. But as I disassemble these lies, I go before him. I'm like, I'm worthy. I am significant. I am beautiful. I am treasured. And this isn't any kind of sloppy sentimentality or wishful thinking. I'm going back to that Hebrews 1.3. He sustains the universe through the power of his word. And what I'm doing when I'm stepping into this truth, I'm literally stepping in to this little nook of where he's carrying and sustaining this world. I'm coming into the personhood of who Jesus is. Because I'm laying down these lies and things that are preventing me. All of us have something that is preventing us from saying yes. And there's no condemnation. And the beautiful thing about it is that nothing is too far gone. Nothing is beyond him. Remember? Sustainer of the universe. 
sustainer of the universe is not threatened by the lies and the strongholds and the belief systems that you have. And we'll go to the second commandment, is love your neighbor as yourself. So obviously, if I didn't love myself, I couldn't love, I couldn't even accomplish the second commandment. But through that, as I disassembled the lies, as I disassembled, um, disarmed all of these things that were preventing me, I could then now see those around me. And when you walk through things, you get to see things in other people, and you get to recognize it. And it's not for you to judge them, and it's not for you to cut against them. But it's like, hey, here's my hand. Let's walk together through this. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? And who is your neighbor? According to the dictionary, it was literally like anyone that is in your proximity is your neighbor. Oftentimes, you know, even in this charismatic movement, we want to do these, we scream for revival, we scream for um, evangelism, and we forget that the one that we make be called to even just be Jesus to is our family member that drives us crazy. <laughs> our coworker that is so lazy. <laughs> or our coworker that is extremely judgmental. That's our neighbor. And we're called to love them as ourselves. And as I say yes to him who sustains me, I say yes to him who speaks my identity, I can say yes to him to love my neighbor. And one of my favorite stories is I'm, my former boss, Rochelle, is here. And so she, bless her, she, she had the task of restraining me. <laughs> but also Jesus helped her a lot. But anytime she loves people and she love, makes them feel welcome and she makes them feel like a million dollars. And that's not my natural proclivity. <laughs> I have to have a lot of help with that. There was this one time I had a, and mind you, I was a Christian. I was one of the, I guess, strongest Christians or you know, prominent people in our my work that everybody knew. I went into prayer. Everybody knew we were talking kingdom and all this. And I had this one coworker who thought she was my boss, and she wasn't. And I don't handle that very well. And I was so mad, and I was ready to confront her because she had done her last thing that upset me. And I'm ready to go, you know, to confront her. And then he, the Lord said, hey, have you talked to me about her? And I'm like, no. But I'm just... <laughs> when you say yes to someone, you get to be very familiar with them. So like... <laughs> and he's like, hey, I want you to buy them a present. And I want you to write them a letter. And I want you to thank them for all the work that they do. And I want you to bless her. I don't know, God. <laughs> She's really this X, Y, Z, and I had all the reasons and all the things. He wasn't interested in that. He's like, will you love her? She's your neighbor. Will you love her? Ugh. So I go back to that day in Waco where I'm being held 
and he tells me he's, everything's going to be okay. I have to remind myself who I'm saying, <laughs> saying yes to. And so not only did I do that, and I gave it to her, and night and day, countenance changed. She got teary-eyed, and she was probably the softest she's ever been to me ever since my, the remaining time that I was there. Revival is just a neighbor away. So even now, I'm very practical. So let's even now just take us a moment right now and let's just ask Holy Spirit, who is my neighbor today that I need to love on, that I need to embrace, that I need to show who God is to them? Who is that neighbor? That's what we're saying yes to people's lives, people's hearts, people's souls. We're saying yes to these people on behalf of Jesus. So who is our neighbor? And he'll supply all those things that you need. The, the third thing that he says is go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age, to the end of the age. So he asks us to love him with all our might. He asks us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Then he asks us to go forth and make disciples. And what does that look like? We have tons and tons of books on this topic, lectures, movies, videos, all the things. But disciple is, just means a follower, a student of. And I know we have this expectation, oh, I need to disciple... Or if I need to be a disciple, I need to be very educated. I'd be knowledgeable and all the things. And literally, all you need to do is just be one step ahead of that person. That's all you need to do. Who around us that wants to follow Christ needs an encounter, a cup of coffee, a hug, a word of encouragement. As we go forth and walk out on these assignments, there's always people that are wanting to follow God, but just need that extra push. And the extra push needs fingers and arms and a hug. It needs to be physical. And it is as holy as giving someone a cup of water. And I think we forget that. We want to just, we want these instantaneous healings. We want these instantaneous delivery, deliverances. But the simplicity of serving someone a cup of water is holy in his eyes. It is acknowledged as something beautiful in his eyes. So we don't, I'm not saying I don't want the other things. I'm just saying, let's make it practical today and doing it today. Because if we're not going to be faithful in this, how are we going to be faithful in the rest of the things? 
So now I would just yell. If someone comes up in your brain, who am I supposed to be Jesus to? Who am I supposed to encourage? Who am I supposed to walk alongside with and learn about Jesus together? There's names dropping right now in people's hearts right now. And it's simple. Just have to do it to just show up. Mark 8, 34 through 36. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And I realize reading a scripture like this can be triggering because of the weight it comes with the burden. And this is, again, why we have to come back to a place of knowing and contending and working through the truth that we are deeply loved. Because we are called to lay down our lives. And if we do it as someone that's just trying to be obedient and trying to do the right thing, it's oppressive. And things will get done. It's not that they won't. Things will get done. It's not the end of the world. But imagine being in that place where you are knowingly accepted, valued, cared for, provided for. What's a life? What's my pride? What's my offense? I can lay that down so that I can love the person around me. I can love him. I can love those that don't know him. It can be wearisome, but I love that Jesus is practical. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. So I know when we talk about doing, 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 we can get the type A's that are going to be like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Or I even want to speak to even the mamas of littles, like grace. Your job is already pouring into these little humans. Again, this is not about performance. This is not like, oh, I'm not doing enough. The bottom line is, are you just saying yes to him in today? Are you resting in that yes? He promises rest. He promises that the burden is light. He promises that he will be there. He promises that you are loved and accepted. Can we respond from this place? What will it take to say yes to him? Jesus, the one who has been there in the beginning, has been calling each of your names to walk with him. He's excited to walk with you all the days of your life here on this earth. Before we knew him, God created a way to make us alive in Christ, raised up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 2 8 through 10, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
I say I can't take credit for my coworker because I was ready to do something else. <laughs> for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is good news. He already prepared things for us to do. He already put that neighbor around you. He already put that coworker around you. He put that dream in you. He's already done the work. And then you just need to just say yes to take each new step of what, because in his loving kindness, he doesn't reveal the whole plan. I think about my journey walking with Jesus for 24 years, and I couldn't have even dreamed where I would be right now 24 years later. He is faithful to provide for that dream that he has for you. Every, whether it be people, whether it be scripture, whether it be some class, whether it be money, he is faithful to provide each step of the thing that's already put inside of you. Each of us already have a knowing of what we need to do, but we're just insecure and we're doubting because we don't know how loved and provided for and cared for we are. It takes trust, it takes practice, hearing his word and taking the next step. Hearing his word and saying yes and taking the next step. Yes and taking the next step. It may not look like what we think we do because our expectations are different. But he will be faithful to complete the thing that he has started in each of us. That anything that's been birthed, he's going to bring it to deliverance, delivery, and upbringing too. <laughs> The one who was everything was created for and in through, has invited us to walk with him to do good works here on earth. And when you say yes to him, we give, he provides us with some of the biggest adventures of our life. A lot of you guys know my story of how I met this little boy named Brexton Day. And I just want to honor his parents are here. And Marsha. And you know, when you live in community, you have a lot of friends, and you always have those prayer requests of, oh, yeah, pray for so and so. They're in the hospital. Oh, pray for them that they're sick. Pray for them that they're this. And so one day, I get my friend text me, hey, my friend's child is in the hospital. Can you pray for us so that we can help them? I hadn't met them only like maybe one time. And I was like, sure. You know, because that's what we do. Sure, we'll pray. So I started praying. And then in the span of 24 hours, I think, the Lord was like, hey, I want you to go to the hospital and go pray for this child. I didn't know them, and they were facing a very tough trial. And sorry. I'm trying to keep it for sure. <laughs> And he invited me, hey, go to the hospital, go pray for him. <laughs> and I was like, nope, I can't do it. I don't know them. They're going to think I'm weird. This is weird. Who would want a stranger to come and pray for your child? You know, you don't know anybody. But I was in the car, and I was living in Dallas at the time. And to go home, I had to go right. And to go to the hospital that I'd never been to, I had to go left. And so here I am in the middle lane in my car. 
And I knew that voice. I knew the invitation. And I knew that if I didn't turn left, I was going to regret it for the rest of my life. I was still scared. I was nervous. Usually when people are like, oh, follow God, follow the peace. I got to follow like when I'm nauseous. (laughs) It's just me. I'm feeling sick. And I'm like, okay, let's go. (laughs) So I don't know if you're familiar with Children's Hospital. It is a 12-story hospital with a huge uh, lobby. And I did not know what room they were in. I didn't know anything. I didn't want to bother anyone. So as best as I knew how to say yes to him, I was like, okay, we're here. And I get to the parking garage because I'm following the signs. Okay, I said yes. Okay, we're good. I don't see him. Okay. He's like, hey, go to the lobby. Oh, okay. So I'm going. I'm going through the skywalk. I'm like, I'm sweating like I'm sweating right now. I'm stressed out. I'm feeling sick. And then literally I go in and I go to the lobby and I'm like, okay. I've obeyed you. I've said yes. Okay, we're good. (laughs) I was like, this is just an obedience thing, right? (laughs) And he's like, keep walking. Keep walking. And so I kept walking. And in perfect timing, because God provided the time and the place and the authority, his parents were literally sitting down in the lobby with my friends at the time. And they're like, isn't that Paula? (laughs) Mind you, they were like on the 12th floor. Like that's where he was staying. But they happened to be in the lobby at the exact moment that I went. And so I went. And at the time, personally, I had gone through all these healing conferences. Everybody had prophesied that I was going to be in a healing ministry. So I had like this big head about me at some level. And so, yes, I'm going to go pray for this child. So saying yes led me to encountering this little boy. And so for the next three weeks, their parents were very gracious with me, and they let me pray over his son for several hours a day for three weeks that we were, he was in the hospital. And none of my prayers worked. <laughs> I prayed all the prayers. I did all the scriptures. I did all the things, and nothing was working. And then my invitation was extended to where I got to go and spend time in his home with his family. And that little boy that spoke nothing taught me and shattered my pride, shattered my belief system, and taught me how to love. Because if you want to be in healing ministry, you need to learn how to love. And I would not have received that had I not said yes. So sometimes the things that we're asking for and contending for, look, and you say yes, they come in a path that you don't expect. Literally, how many times did we get these requests from friends? And we, yeah, 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 yeah. Coming in and saying, yes, I got to meet the little boy that transformed my life. There's an invitation for each of us right now. That these yes molds us, creates us to be more Christ-like, to have a more closer encounter with him that builds communities builds and that yes is worth it it's very painful it's not easy it's simple but it's not easy because we trust in the one who sustains the universe by the power of his word 
we get to say yes to an adventure with him. And he walks with us. He provides the people. He provides the resources. We have difficulty forgiving. Like someone like me. He sends a brother like John. And he starts telling me about a story that he, you know, that he read about Cain and Abel. And I'm having a hard time forgiving this other person. And he's like, hey, God's sending John <clears throat> to teach me what it looks like, forgiveness looks like. And I can say yes to it or I can say no to it. But I know enough to know that I can say yes. And I can forgive. And I can continue to be molded. And I continue to be transformed. And that's our calling. To say yes. It's a gift. And I know everybody right now with a new year, new year, new me, all the things. Everyone has their plans and goals. I just want to just invite you guys. Let's just say yes to him. Say yes. We have one another to walk with each other through this time. Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.